Greetings and welcome to Critcast episode 16. Today I'm joined again by Charles as we go over what happened at our Bad Moon tournament literally yesterday as time of recording. So how are you, Charles? I'm not too bad, thanks. Uh, so yeah, it's like uh, when we last, I think, we did we record one? It's been a month. Yeah, it's we literally one, been a month. We did one after um, the other uh, Warhammer World event, didn't we? Yes, we were supposed to record another one, but I ran out. I haven't had much time lately. But yeah, the last one we recorded was at the Warhammer World one, which I won. Uh, and you did really well as well. Uh, but this is the Bad Moon one. I think we booked them at the same time, right? Because they literally kind of... No, 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 no. This was just a week after the Warhammer World one went up. Yeah, it I went think. up after Warhammer World, but it's uh, it, it'd been up for a while and we were waiting for it to actually come around. Yeah, because we've been to their one before, their first one for the new edition. Uh, and I think that sold out as well. So they're both 36 players. Um, we, I believe we had one no-show, um, which yes. is not bad. Yeah, and there were more people who wanted to go, but obviously they ran out. Well, they they sold out quite early, like Games Workshop do as well, which is a good sign for the game. So it's because the, the, the weird thing is that there aren't that many UK tournaments. There's most of them have been down south, namely in London and Nottingham, because I've been asking around, and I know like places and like uh, players have been asking stuff like Borden and Brum, and even up north they're looking to host their own tournaments. But at the moment. In the UK, tournaments seem to be around London and just at Nottingham, weirdly. It's mostly that will probably pick up as as stores start doing more events, probably after Christmas, because we're now getting into that period where people get quite busy. Yeah, and like, because Kill Team 2018 had a tournament kit, so hopefully in the new year we'll get another tournament kit for kill team because the last one was just you got acrylic stuff as well as uh, bronze silver and gold medals which is nice so you know prizes are always great mm. but it's like it's 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 weird because we play other we've played other games like especially like ffg supported games generally have the best prize support so i'm hoping like if they do do prize support for kill team again going forwards that's a little bit better than it was before if that makes sense uh, it was it was fine as a as a simple thing but it was it wasn't very well run because it wasn't run in a tournament format it was generally run as a oh you do it over so many months and then you declare yeah. a winner at the end um, and i think there'll be more refinement in that regards as the game has gotten more competitive and there's nothing wrong with the slow grows it's just you know I, it's easier to dish out the prizes when it's competitive because you don't, as you said, play over basically weeks and or months to get your prizes. Mm. But, it, uh, it, but yeah, oh, go on. Sorry, I was gonna say it was it was good because it was a uh, as long as you turned up and played, you received stuff over time. But yeah, that's not how a tournament works if you're playing for a tournament kit. Yeah, but going back to the tournament today, uh, so I guess we'll start with our event prep. So. As we do, like we read the pack, or in our case, the website, because it, it this is kind of the problem with the tournament bit with the communication. But it didn't really have a pack; it had a website brief, but stuff kept getting added as time went on. And the, you had, the, if you wanted to know more, you had to kind of be in the discords to find out. The communication, though, outside that was actually pretty good. The, yeah, the event yeah. organizer did email out. He did contact people for because he did he did ask if people could bring their terrain to help out because that was one of the downsides from their previous event was terrain and 
people did bring terrain, which was good. Yeah, because the weird thing about this event prep for this tournament was so it's very different. So the biggest thing were we were kind of unsure how they were going to do scoring even on the day because it did change. So there was a lot of not confusion. It was just waiting to see how they were going to do it. So I believe last time they followed the GW way, which is wins, then TACOP scored, then total VPs. But yeah. this time they were following the kind of, uh, what do you call it? The the right. fever that in over 40K where everyone's obsessed with not strength of schedule, but proving that they played really hard opponents and that they're the best. You know, it's like they, they, they were talking about par for victory. But this time they were using strength of schedule as the primary tiebreaker. So it was wins mm. and strength of schedule. And then when we found out on the day, it was going to be tack up scored, but then they changed it to total VPs. And the only problem I have with strength of schedule is it's a very uncontrollable and unreliable metric when you're using it as a primary tiebreaker. Because most events I've played that they've used it as a secondary or tertiary tiebreaker. It's just yeah. weird in as the primary. It's it's because it's it's so out of out of the players' hands, depending on how well their opponents do and things like that. It can it can very much swing around and we were seeing as we were looking at the pairings as results were being reported, you'd suddenly get these wide swings where somebody would be in third and then they'd drop to something like seventh or eighth because their strength of schedule dropped. Yeah, um, it's something weird like that. And we'll, we'll get on to that later. But that was kind of the problem. And going into the tournament, knowing the terrain was going to be not great, uh, I picked a shooty team. So I picked the Pathfinders myself, but that's more like kill team selection. But for event prep, we were... Well, at least for me, was keeping in mind of the terrain because we played at Bad Moon before and they did ask for players to bring in their terrain. I believe they didn't have a great uptake until they said, if you bring your terrain, you're going to play in it all day, which I kind of get. I, I get why, because they were having poor adoption, but that was a bit, uh, how do you call it? interesting because the, the thing is i've been talking to other people and they said like when they were playing 40k if they're not playing at gw places generally they're advised to bring in like one piece or a couple pieces of terrain to help supply the board so it's kind of a normal thing if you play 40k and sigma because obviously terrain is a very expensive thing and it you can't expect yeah. someone just to buy it for one game system if they're not sure they're going to play it cons consistently if that makes sense yeah, it's it's also stores only have so much terrain and it can get damaged and it's not a simple cheap thing to replace. Um and again, you you may have one set of terrain, so you have a load of 40k players that suits them fine, but like I said, Kill Team does need different terrain for it to really work. Yeah, and I think the the problem is that general terrain at bad moon is very blocky like they're literally just resin blocks so while that works for 40k because you can like use that to block line of sight and you don't have to interact with it too much with kill team when you're preferring to have walls and stuff and more like natural building shapes that you can even enter and climb it becomes very problematic because they do have like the traditional buildings used for 40k which Games Workshop have made easier to use by adding traits like scalable and doors. The, the, the other thing is they weren't allowing us to use the doors trait, the door rules for terrain, but we're allowing scalable. But it, it, it's the problem where 
now J- Games Workshop has made it easier for you to use regular terrain. It's just, I believe their general 40k terrain are just resin blocks, which makes it very difficult to play on. And that, that's the problem we found in the first Kill Team event, because there were so many open fire lanes, shooting teams just basically dominated that tournament. Yeah, well, they, they were having to spread out the train they did have over more tables. E- each train table did generally have six to eight pieces of actual terrain. It's just it wasn't the best for playing Kill Team with. Um, but in this one, the, the tables that didn't have um, people's Octarius sets and a couple of Verticus ones generally had okay layouts because they could use the bits that were more appropriate for Kill Team rather than just using their massive 40k chunks. Yeah, they were, they were more Kill Team-sized blocks, but the good thing is, like, at the first event, they had tables where you had, like, one massive piece of terrain going from one end of the board to the other. So that we didn't see that again, which was really good. But uh, the, the non-Octarius player boards were just... Uh, they were rough if you were running against a shooting team. So that was basically our event prep. I only had one practice game because I didn't have enough time. And what did you do for your prep, Charles? Uh, really not a lot. I knew I, I took the, my Forge World team that I've used pretty much all the events I've been to. So I, I know how they work. I know how to play them. It was mostly going like, right, well, we're playing. We know the four missions we'll be playing. We know relatively the order we're playing them in. Um, and just thinking, right, what do I need to do if I come up against X or Y kill teams? Um, we also, because you had to lock your list in a week before, we could see what was going to be at the event, and there was uh, no Talons of the Emperor, which was interesting. Um, and it was there was quite a few sisters and quite a few towers. So I was thinking, right, okay, how skilled are those players going to be? Do they know how to use them well? How can I use my strengths against their weaknesses? Um, yeah, and, and I think, yeah, because the, the weird thing is because it was so vague in terms of like strength of schedule and we were, le- we were getting to find out stuff, but it was very last minute. I didn't, we, you, you could, I couldn't prepare as much with the Games Workshop event because that was obviously had its own pack and it was very clear from the out- outset. So I knew what to prepare for in terms of like, oh, I need to make sure I'm really good at scoring tack ops and stuff like that. Uh, and it's not negative to the event. It's just it. Hmm. what affected my prep was just the fact it was strength of schedule. So I kind of looked at it like, well, I can't really control anything. The weirdest thing was when the TO said, I understand the benefit of strength of schedule in, in terms of it does a f- kind of measure player skill. But when the TO also said, oh, you can use strength of schedule to um, mentor and follow and encourage to teach the players you've beaten so they do better and win. Which borderlines on bullying uh, in my book? Because uh, well, no, he no, he, he, uh, the way it, the way I think he meant it to come over was uh, if you if you beat somebody and they then don't do so well, you can then give them advice. Hopefully, they'll do better in their next games, which will then increase your score overall. So, passing on knowledge should help you in the long run, but it can come off a bit. Well, if you make them do better, you'll do better. Yeah, because that like if you explained that, that I would have got it, but the way you explained it wasn't great. Because the problem I have with that, if someone asks for your help, I don't mind. But if you go to your opponent, oh, how did you do round two? Who are you playing round two? Oh, you're playing that. Well, this is what you need to do. Uh, you should do that, and then you should be able to win. And then doing that every round for every opponent you play, uh, like they call it coaching, but it's still even coaching in like tournaments is very. A dubious thing because I play a lot of fighting games. Where I used to, and coaching was always um, 
a questionable aspect and sometimes even banned coaching. It, it's the odd thing though, is like you, you should as a community be spreading knowledge on, Oh, you're playing, you're going to be playing X next. Well, really what you need to look out, if you don't already know what you need to look out for is X, Y, and Z. Um, but again, it comes down to when you're actually, when, when they're playing their game, you can't really stand over the table and tell them what to do because you're not allowed to do that in any game. Um, but it, it should strength schedule should kind of encourage you to talk to your opponents who you did beat to see how well they're doing and maybe help them because it helps you. But it can, like you say, it can come off a bit the wrong way round, and you kind of it can skew things. Which yeah, is why it's a- normally it's a like a, it's like a secondary or tertiary tiebreaker because yeah. it's it's not controllable by you in your games. Yeah, I like I don't have a problem with strength schedules like a secondary or tertiary tiebreaker, but when it's the primary one, that's why I find it a bit iffy. So for the tournament, I kind of like lost interest in terms of properly planning. And then uh, for kill team selection, I did thought about using my commandos, but I was like, uh, the tournament was also using the same mission structure as the GW uh, October tournament. They basically copied it and just added Seize Ground as the first mission because they were playing four so I was like, I could play Commandos. I know what exactly to do in every mission, but I thought it'd be more interesting if I tested out the Pathfinders. So I obviously ran the Pathfinders from Chownath. I only had one practice with game with them on the Tuesday against you, Charles, and yeah. then one game in the Bat Rep, which was like a while ago when I first played them. So I didn't have much experience. It's like the game against Charles was really useful, helped me realize a lot of things, and all I could do, because I couldn't get any more games in, I just planned out what tac ops... Because, oh, the other thing, you could pick tac ops in this tournament. So instead of randomly selecting, you picked. And I thought, if there was any ever time to run tau, uh, Pathfinders because they're only locked into Recon, it'd be that tournament. Because Recon is really weird. It has really good, but also very bad tac ops. But the problem, uh, the thing is, when you can pick them, you can kind of just go, oh, just pick whatever I want. And they've got some decent faction tack ops. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much it for why I went with Pathfinders. And I thought it, they are quite strong, and I'd like to see that in practice because I'd only played them for two games. And on paper, they're really strong. But I want to see how they do in practice, basically. Hmm. And then, yeah, um, you just stuck with your... Yeah, I, I stuck with Forge World over Hunter Clades, mostly because of having access to security and you kind of have a bit better flexibility with the selections you can get with Forge World. Though some of my games, I may have been better if I'd been playing Hunter Clades for things like their infiltrate and they're being able to um, do a du- either a double recon or a double um, infiltrate option in the scouting step. Um, may have helped me in some of my games because there was a couple of games that were very close which playing Hunter Clades may have gone the other way but it's uh, I think they're still a pretty strong uh, team for what they are yeah it's like I, I still really rate Ad Mech and then Hunter Clades is just as you said it's a really I wouldn't say they're better they're more situ- like a sideways uh, we covered it a yeah. lot it's like they're better at certain things but worse at a lot of others I wouldn't say worse a lot of others. You just lose some of the choice and flexibility you can run. Um, but uh, going into game one, I guess I'll go first. So for my game one, it was kind of just... Uh, I was against Novitiate, so I was on uh, a nice guy came, named Paolo. So generally for my kill team roster, all, 
all like well my roster was all the specialists two rail rifle uh, yeah two ion rifle gu- uh, gunners and then the recon drone gun drone and the marker drone so basically i took all of those every game apart from my second gunner because i found having two gunners with iron rifles was actually quite useless because one was really good but the other one they have no other equipment so i just ran that and it was against a uh, uh, double flamer novitiate build so because it was seized ground i thought oh you know i'd be able to as long as I can snipe the key pieces, I should be able to do well. So turning point one, uh, he, he activated his chalice lady, moved on to the point, and then got three faith points. And then I immediately lighted her up uh, with as many marker lights as I could, because all my equipment was generally uh, t- three enhanced marker lights. So on my leader, on my comms guy, and on my blooded pathfinder. And then I took the enhanced targeting aspect uh, lock-on thing, so you count as having an extra marker light token when shooting an operative that has marker light tokens on my marksman with the uh, rifle, the special marksman, and then my iron rifle. So I put dunked two onto her, blew her up. The what do you call it? The the lady with the crossbow moved up. The condemner. Condem- yeah. Condemner. She shot someone, and then I obliterated her. And I'm like, this is going well. I I just fluffed some rolls, so I was unable to wipe him out for all the points cause them to burn the medic and then like we were it was weird because i wasn't scoring my attack ops really well in, in that game i only scored two points for my attack ops which was just what do you call it uh two points for just marking targets mark enemy movements so it was a really really close game because for the first three turning points we were getting the same score because he was controlling three i was controlling three i managed to kill all his melee specialists i gunned down his leader turn two but he was killing mine. Like the the novitiates have a stratagem that makes their flamers three slash four for mm. when they shoot. So when they're doing, I didn't even realize they were two slash three. So those yeah, guys, they're just a flamer. So no, normal flamers are two slash two. Oh, their right. ones yes, are two yeah. slash three. So they were literally just dacker dashing up, uh, so they can move and then dash and or shoot in any order for free. And they just, whoa, I could only kill one of them. The other one I basically left to one wound because of their medic. But it was really tight. I managed to curtail the faith point generation in the first turn. But even then, with only three faith points per turn, he was re- using them really well to get rerolls and guarantee stuff and heal. So even when I was like knocking someone down with a plasma shot, that got, uh, I mean like an iron rail rifle shot, that, not rail rifle, um tower weapon that got because their guns are four slash five that got through he's keeping alive yeah pulse pulse weapons there we go and then at the end we only managed to get to turning point three yeah because the other thing we found out on the day rounds only an hour and a half so we Mm. would go in there thinking an hour and 45 but anyway we only managed to get to the end of turning point three uh and i was one point ahead but by that point i had six operatives left and he only had three and like if we'd gone again another turn, all it would have mattered is just like I would have won more. So, but it was still really, really close that entire game. I, I think I ended on uh, nine eight. It was something like that nine eight or eight seven to me, super close. But that was my game one. Lovely opponent, and yeah, novitiates are tough. Uh, my game one again. It was well. I was originally going to be against uh, Orc Commandos, and then my opponent didn't turn up. So after five minutes of after the round start, 
Um, there was also because we we had one person who didn't turn up as originally. We had one person with a buy, so we just got paired against each other, and it it worked out. And he happened to also be playing uh, novitiates. Um, he'd only it was his first games with them in this tournament. Um, so he he he'd read the rules and knew knew the rules. Um, but he'd made a few he made a few key key errors just from the first time you play something. Like he he had a condemner who he had behind cover, but gave her an engage order rather than conceal order, because she has the silent rule she can shoot from concealed. Um, and just a couple of doing things in the doing things in the wrong order. But he, he did also use them quite well. He kept he kept them hidden when he needed to. Um, I, he just his luck just wasn't as good. Um, he he did use the heal a few times, and it did seem every time he rolled to heal, he rolled a he rolled um three wounds back every single time. So <laughs> they the that thing is, if you take him down to one wound and you don't kill the sister and it gets to activate, it's got two chances to heal up and it can go straight back up to full wounds. Um, the the uh, it ended up being uh, I think twelve eight to me in the end. Um, I managed to push up. He counter. He actually managed to really well counter push using the penitent and the uh, the whip lady, the chastiser, um, to get a massive charge off into one of my guys, um, which then also took one of the digits on my side of the board. Um, and then we kind of swapped flanks essentially, and he took one flank, I took the other flank. Uh, but attrition-wise, I just managed to take out enough of his um, to swing it back and score a few extra points because he also didn't man- he was uh, didn't manage to score many of his actual tack ops, um, and that was really the difference in the game. We were at, I think we were tied on tied on victory points, but I managed to score more tack ops because I was playing security. And gen- well, I was playing security all day, and I generally took central control, um, hold the line, and seize ground. Uh, and I, a couple of games I scored badly on them because the dice went against me horribly. But in most of them, I was scoring a, normally four four points on, on between the three of them. Um, but yeah, again, it was a good game. Uh, helps him out with a few bits on the novitiates. It's just again when you're learning a new kill team, it's so many, especially a kill team that has a full list like any of the any of the book ones or the white dwarf ones, where you've got all the special rules to remember. But they he played well, um, and it was quite. It actually ended up being a, a close game till the the final turns. Um, but there's a not not too much to say against it. Novitiates are still novitiates are still quite strong. Um, they just need you need to be careful when you play with them because they do only have seven wounds and can very easily die if you Wait, do find, things I wrong. I found their four up saves are odd, annoyingly reliable when you're playing against well, them. I I well I, I play the Forge World and they've got four up saves across the board and four up is so much better than five up even yeah. though it's even though it's only one different. Um, playing like if you play the Krieg or the Guard and you have a five up save, you feel like. You, you hardly ever save on them, but when you're saving on a four up, it just feels like you end up saving so many more because you go from that two and six chance to that three and six, so fifty percent. Um, oh, and a quick correction for my game: I actually won because I actually did score a sec, so I maxed that mark enemy movements. But I also scored plant signal beacon, so that's what uh, won me because of that amazing tackle. I'll get to that in later games. Mm. Uh, but is there anything else for your game one? 
not really. It was uh, it was a uh, quite a quite a chill game because we again we because we started a, a little bit late because um, the, the the other player not turning up. We still managed to get through all four rounds. Um, and the game just got quicker and quicker as we both because it was a, a very tradey game in terms of things happening. So I'd kill one of his guys and then he would just kill somebody straight back. So it was a uh, pretty it was pretty good. Cool. Uh, well, for my game too, this is where we started following the GW rules pack and missions pack, whatever. So it was, uh, it was what do you call it? Master, Master of the Terminals. Terminals, which is the mission I hate. So I was against Commandos. Originally, I was supposed to be against. Uh, I think it was, I think it was supposed to be Admech or something. But uh, the problem we were finding is, well, at least in my experience, my opponents started randomly and pairings are randomly changing at the start of the round. So then I was play- paired up against someone else. This time, I forgot his name, uh, but he was regular follower from me from Underworlds. Really cool guy. Um, even him as, yeah, Gorm. And uh, it was against Commandos. And I was like, oh my gosh, the one matchup I didn't want to play into were Commandos because I'm, I know how they do. So the cool thing is I got to be the, def- I know it wasn't cool being the defender. I hate being the defender in Master of the Terminals, but I was defender so I got to set up one of my drones first. So I managed to deploy my drone into the corner of one of the heavy objectives, uh, heavy terrain pieces. But that effectively blocked off that terrain piece from him deploying someone within it because he couldn't finish within red of that. Uh, he couldn't finish more than red away while also being within black of the terrain piece. So I blocked off that flank and I forced him into the terrain piece where I couldn't see his breacher boy because his breacher boy took the the dynamite. And I was like, if he takes two dynamite, I'm probably going to lose. But he only took one dynamite and two smokes. So I was like, oh, well, the smokes, what are they? Just like, oh, they're just obscuring. So I was like, oh, that's great. I mean, that's fine. I've got one operative, uh, the marker guy, He, uh, the high, the my interference specialist. So he ignores obscuring anyway. And if I get four marker light tokens on someone, I ignore obscuring anyway. So I was like, okay. So then after that, because I managed to block off that point of the board, I used a worthy cause. So because my drone controller was within white of an objective, immediately activated him to just pass uh, to clear, uh, to because he turned off my objective first. So I immediately captured objective three in the bottom right corner. And then he captured the other two objectives. But the key thing that happened during turning point one, I managed to get five Markalite tokens on his leader who had moved up and hidden behind the terrain piece where my gun drone was. So I shot him once, I think, with uh, one of my normal operatives and brought him down to seven wounds. Then I ran, because I, I, I was able to activate last, I ran my iron rifle forward, overcharged, and I think I did two cr- three crits and two hits. So I, because he could, like, I couldn't just scratch it, he managed to save one. I did 21 damage, so I made sure that guy was dead. <laughs> and then I managed to kill another... Uh, his rocket boy, because his rocket boy shot my leader and only rolled a crit, and I managed to save it with the crit back. So I only took some splash damage for that, and then I obliterated his rocket boy. And then after that, I managed to, I kept using recon sweep because all my operatives were basically within red of my bottom, uh, the bottom board edge. So I managed to mess up, I baited the dynamite by bunching up and then used that f- two free dashes along with a turn to uh, Montcar to just minimize the effect of his dynamite. So eventually he did dynamite me on turning point two, but he only managed to get my marker drone and my leader. So my marker drone had already activated, my leader hadn't. 
but then I managed to neutralize that. And I was using my interference specialist to stop him capturing because what I did was uh, anyone near a point or who was going towards a point they could capture, I would do minus one AP. So all he could do was move on to it or just not get within range. And my interference guy basically shut the game down while my kill team just mopped stuff forward. Notable thing was he hookshot his grot towards me into my terrain piece because he declared to blow up. So I dropped down with my sniper, did a point black shock, failed to kill him. Then I had to, I lost priority. So I had to use, uh, what do you call it? A, a worthy cause to activate my drone controller, to activate my uh, recon drone, to move, analyze the grot, and then have my sniper point blank him. And he rode four crits. So the grot just, he was on one wound left, just horribly died. But I had to do it because I thought he might have interloper as well as blow up. And he was like, he just said blow up, but I sh shut down blow up. And yeah, on the primary, I only scored four points. My opponent only scored three on the primary, but I almost maxed out my tack up scoring five. So it finished nine free to me. Uh, but it's a really fun game. Probably the toughest one because I was really fearing commandos. So I was happy with that, how that went. But uh, Charles, how did your game two go? Uh, my game two went uh, not too bad, really, because I was against uh, Death Watch, ah, and yes. the with the Forge World because I can uh, take both a Ranger and a Vanguard team, and they can both take two special weapons, which is one of the advantage over Hunter Clades. Um, I I did that, took two plasma and two arc rifles, and that is very well suited for killing elite kill teams. Yeah. Um I was on one of the boards that wasn't an Octaris board. My first my first game was on an Octaris board and this one was on one of their other boards and unfortunately the terrain layout wasn't fantastic but it was as good as it could be. Um but we both had because it was di diagonal deployments we both had a vantage point just outside the deployment zone so you could hide behind it and climb onto it. Uh, I was the attacker, so I placed his objective as number one so he couldn't use it. Um, and then he deployed um, he deployed concealed. Uh, all of his five Marines concealed. He had two regular Death Watch Marines with power weapon bolt gun, a plasma gunner, and one with an Infernus heavy bolter. And his leader mm. had a storm shield and Xenophage blade. So the sensible thing to do, he generally he had them all um, hidden for the first turn. Um, to make as much use as he could of cover and things. Uh, unfortunately, he um, moved round. He had one guy behind a piece of bar a piece of barricade cover, uh, so it was only light. And I moved my plasma gunner up onto the vantage point and shot him um, with the plasma with my plasma gun. Uh, it didn't kill him. It actually, <laughs> the plasma gun actually overcharged, rolled three ones. I spent a command oh. point to reroll one of them to stop himself dying. <laughs> um, and then he saved because he was in cover. Uh, so it actually did very poorly for my first round of shooting. Um, I think I managed to then shoot uh, the Marine with an arc rifle as well, and I did four damage to him. So very, very bad starting turn for firepower, but he was already on the back foot because he was suddenly like, oh, hang on, I now can't go out to any of these places because if I move out, I'm going to get shot. So he, he kind of refused flank and went round one side of the board where there was a large, heavy ruin uh, blocking most of the line of sight. Um, the second turn, I I got initiative and aggressively moved up to capture objectives. Um, so I was basically just trying to deny him as many primary points as possible. 
and I, I still had my plasma guns essentially in nice vantage positions to shoot anything that shot back. Um, he had he had incredibly bad luck with shooting. He his infernus heavy bolter um, using bolter drill shot one of my plasma guns twice and left him with three wounds. He he just only hit like twice each time, and it was just like just terrible luck for shooting. So I've got one plasma gun on one wound who melted himself, one on three wounds, and he just couldn't finish either of them off. Um, and it was it was going not well for him as I then shot back at his heavy bolter, who's now revealed himself, and I managed to kill the heavy bolter with a three, I think it was three crits and a hit from a plasma gun. Um, and there was just no way he was surviving it. Uh, it was getting towards that point where i noticed uh, my opponent was kind of getting a bit frustrated just with just with dice luck and unfortunately having a, a small elite kill team versus a very shooty team um he was very close to wanting to just call it at the end of round two but i i told him to keep playing because he could still he could still pull it off and win and uh we played the next couple of rounds and it 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 devolved into Marine moves up, fires some shots. Maybe he, he was killing, he killed one or two people in, in his shots, and then the Marine would die back to return fire. Um, but it ended up in a very close game. I think it was 10 uh, 8, I think, or 10 9. It was, it was just a very close uh, win to me because he'd managed to actually deny me uh, getting Tacobs off because he'd managed to deny me getting hold of the line because his sergeant was Xenophage and Stormshield came round and basically hid behind a wall for two turns. Oh wow. Um it was the sensible thing to do. I couldn't I couldn't move to a position to get to shoot him because he was concealed and he was in heavy cover. Um and he was within range of my zone. But uh, he can also score and think himself and the moment he did in the fourth turn he did come out and charge somebody, he killed them. Um but then he's now out in the open and he just got gunned down. Um it came to it came into the final turn of him um, managing. I had I had it positioned where I had two models near the piece of seized ground terrain, and he could generally only get to one or one of the two of them. Um, but he he luckily uh, managed to do a char- he just had enough range to do a charge into one of them, um, and being a death watch ring with a power weapon, he killed that one. And then he still had a third action to shoot with, so and he managed to just shoot and just kill my other um, my other uh, Forge World model there, and that denied me the seize ground. Um, uh. So I, I scored very low on tack ops, but I'd managed to be. I think I, I got. I think I got six primary and two secondary, and he got I think two primary and two secondary or three secondary. Um, so it ended up being a very close game, even though he felt like he was he'd lost the game on turn two. Um, it's it's the problem I've seen. I, I feel with the small elite AP three kill teams is as long as things go in their favor, it's all good. The moment they lose a guy, or you make an accidental mistake and you position yourself wrong, or you fail to capture an objective. It just becomes an uphill struggle, and it just gets harder and harder. Um, the difference with custodies over the other teams is they can afford to take a hit or two because of their huge wound pool and their two up saves. Whereas just any of the marines with three up saves and ele- eleven or twelve wounds just 
physically can't take the damage. But it was a it was a nice tight close game. Um, as I said the board it wasn't the best board for either of us really. He didn't have too much he could hide behind while getting objectives, and I had just enough where I could pick off shots. Um, but the game went like I say really close. Good game. Uh, again, managed to I managed to make all four rounds and we finished we finished with plenty of time to spare. But that's just what happens when you ha- end up having. 10, well, 11 models versus 5, um, you do just kind of have a bit of an advantage. Yeah, uh, but oh. then for my game freeze, that was after lunch. So this time, once again, my opponent changed twice, so I thought I was going into Tau, then it changed into something else, then it changed into Zinch because they kept adding strength of schedule, or I don't know, they were doing strength of schedule, then they were matching people to their board which was really skewing things, but they never told anyone. So it kind of just well, happened. There was, well, I, I saw that my table number changed once or twice, but I, the opponent didn't change. It was just the table that changed. So it was on the person who bought terrain's board. If it was that, um, I'm not sure why your ones changed. Maybe there was some kind of strength of schedule calculation that was delayed, but I do know in one of the rounds, the pairings went up, then they changed and a whole bunch of people changed opponents um yeah and then they and then after they changed opponents they then changed tables because it was then to match people to their tables yeah so um, I, I was this time i was now against a uh, warp covering again because the funny thing my phone was like oh you know uh it's gonna be i'm, I'm happy to talk you through a lot of stuff and i was like don't worry i've played warp covering a lot uh unfortunately yeah. for him we were on uh a bad moon board and it's quite open but not too bad the only problem there was like a big mountain like a spike just off of the middle we were playing escalating hostilities this time and then there were three resin bunkers then a crate and then just some walls but everything was kind of too thick and big to be small so it was mostly all heavy apart from the light crates which weren't really on my side and the scramble pieces so uh going into it i just went my attack ops this time were plant signal beacon, uh, overrun, and uh, what do you call it? I went with the patient hunter, not the patient hunter. The it's the one where you have to be more than half engaged and you kill more than you lose. Because I was like, he's, he was he was only eight guys, so I was like, this uh, two zangles and everyone else three sorcerers and then like a gunner and a normal guy. And I was like, nope, I am going full engage. I'm gonna sh- bring down hell. And that's pretty much how it went. Like turn one, I got five Markalite tokens on two sorcerers. So after he did the sorcerer that reduces movement for dashes and charges, blew him up. Uh, Then I managed to blow up the second sorcerer turning point two as well. First activation, because he had, I I put six Markalite tokens on him. So it degraded to five. And like the... The only main pieces of contention, I think the guy wasn't aware of how cover lines work. So he thought they worked in like a 3D space, but they worked they work in like a 2D line effectively. Because he was like, I'm on a vantage point. Shouldn't my cover line travel in 3D space? I was like, no. So we had to call a judge over for that, which is fine. Because what I'd done is I had moved a bunch of my operatives with conceal orders and engage more than two inches away from the heavy obscuring terrain, knowing he could go up there. So I think he didn't realize that because I was like, he was like, oh, they're just in the open. So he thought it was a misplay, but for me it was 
intentional because I was just manipulating the heavy terrain because also I was using my interference operative because he ignores obscuring uh, the obscuring rule. So he was behind, more than two inches, it was more than white away from heavy pieces of terrain, pinging people with minus one APL and shooting. And I think because it was, there were still more clear fire lanes and it was just heavy blocks, there was nothing you could properly, you could hide behind, but it's like, it's not normal terrain where you can walk in behind a wall and just be completely invisible. You were, you kind of had to hope that I didn't move out. And because I was being very aggressive using my recon sweeps and monk car, to dash, I was like, oh, you're in now you're in the open. And I was like, do, 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 So effectively, I gunned down all his sorcerers. Uh, he had, at the end of the game, he only had his heavy gunner, which I'd been abusing by giving one APL, uh, minus one APL all the time. So all his gunner could do was either shoot or move. And he had to use his gunner to move and claim the points because I killed everyone else who could capture the points. So uh, at the end of that game, I think I managed to max it out because, you know, I, I'm pretty confident with escalating hostilities. That's a really f- fun mission I'm good with. And I think it finished like 18-17-2 to me. So the warp cover did some shooting, but it was just like, because I played against them, I knew what they were doing, and I knew how to play around their tack ops. Like two of his tack ops were like, no, don't nominate two guys. I have to kill them as well as control this objective. It's like, cool, turn one, I killed the psyker who had to kill me. <laughs> and then turn two, I was like, yeah, it was just, uh, I think it was more beneficial because of the boards, to be honest. And also my problem wasn't too prepared about Pathfinders. Because uh, I throughout the tournament, I, I had a lot of people going, oh, what do Markalites do? They just give you a reroll, right? I was like, oh, no. no. So I was telling them, it was just, uh, I think there's a lot of play inexperience with the faction going on but that, that was just basically my game three really hmm. um my game three uh again i i played uh pathfinder so it's second second channel team to play in the event um and i i, I was originally because it was it was after our lunch game so i got back to my table early i started deploying on the on the table i was meant to be on and then uh the pairings changed and i was then moved to another table um but yeah, it was against uh, Mark Amos, who um, you play in the in the last round, and uh, he's uh, pretty good with the tower. It's, uh, he's he's played apparently a lot on uh, TTS, so he he knew how to use the models, how to get the most out of using um, the it's not spawning fire, it's bonded uh, for yep. the reroll. Uh, he had all of the the knowledge and the skills for playing, but he hadn't actually played with them on the tabletop yet. So um, it was a good game, though. It was uh, it went it started going well. Uh, we were trade. He I he set up first. Um, he won the roll off, and he chose to be defender and set up first. Um, so he set up with a lot of conceals, a couple of engages. Uh, and I set up just fully engaged to allow me to just um, like ca- like capitalize on anything that he leaves in a position for me to shoot, or anything that um, tried to shoot me in the first turn. There was a couple of couple of shots where I managed to get off where he had uh, he completely forgot about there being a vantage point on each side, and he had his drone controller behind us concealed behind a scramble pile, and I. I had um, a plasma gun on top of the on top of the vantage point. She went, "Well, he's just going to shoot him." He's like, "Oh, damn! Yeah, I forgot the uh, I forgot the vantage point was just right across there." Uh, I just failed to kill him though, and he managed to escape into 
cover of where the medic was, so I was then not going to be able to kill him in that turn. Um, but it was a, a good game. Uh, the Pathfinders won out eventually. Um, they're shooting. We, we, me and John have talked about it um, together. It's the just the, the strength of the Tau's guns, even though they mostly hit on fours, you can quite easily get one reroll or multiple rerolls. Their guns doing four and five damage on their basic guns are just so much better than everything else. Uh, and you only need one or two hits to go through to either wound or kill a model. Um, and that's generally how it went. We were we were trading shots backwards and forwards. Uh, I was wounding or killing a guy with my special weapons and with my... Because I took the Sakarans for the extra wounds. Um, but realistically, I probably, against the Tau, should have taken... Um, the Vanguard and the Rangers, um, because the like I said, the, the tower guns being so strong, it doesn't matter if you've got seven or ten wounds, um, you're pretty much going to die in two to three hits to most of the tower guns or less. Um, so I probably could have done with the extra bodies on the board rather than taking the tougher bodies. Um, so I was also hoping to maybe get into combat where I know the tower have very little skill um, or, or weaponry. And just be able to get in there, charge somebody, hopefully cut them up a lot easier than shooting them. Um, but that didn't didn't work out so well. Um, and yeah, just a really good use of um, Montcar with climbing gear on his. Um, he took two rail rifle path uh, two rail rifle gunners, and they just hopped up. Um, they used Montcar to they climbed up onto the vantage point fired and then used their free dash from Montcar to jump back off the vantage point to keep himself safe. Um as I say a few things he a few things he did wrong were like he deployed his rail rider part rail uh, rail rifle marksman on his vantage point, but he'd deployed him well he had to deploy him towards the back of the vantage point. So he was still in cover from some angles, but because my vantage point was directly diagonally opposite he was nowhere near the part of the cover where the cover line crossed. So even though he was concealed, when I saw that the first turn, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to move my guy across to my left. I can see across the board to him. He's not in cover because he's nowhere near the cover lines and just immediately obliterated the rail rifle before it could do anything because I know it's a very scary gun. Um, But his return fire was just as good and he was taking out my guys as quick as I was taking out his and... The Tau, having more models than me, could just take the attrition a bit better. Um, it went down to... Well, again, we got all the way to turn four, and it was in turn three and turn four is where it really went in the Tau's favor. I, I managed to get a, a lead early, but he managed to just clear up on the secondaries and primaries in the third and fourth round when I'd, I'd lost my last guy at the start of the fourth round, and it was just... He ran across, planted signal beacon, grabbed both objective markers... And it ended fifteen nine, um, so it was it was actually pretty close until the final round when I just lost my last guy and there was nothing I could do to stop him scoring maximum points there. But it was a good game, and I was I knew after from playing against the towel a couple of times, I know they are very strong. Um, and I, it's just one of those ones of dice can go one way or they can go the other, and. If there's enough terrain that they can use to hide behind, they can they can do very well, and they're very dependent on the mission. But it's a good game. 
Oh, yeah, and then going into my game form, obviously I was playing against uh, the guy you played, so Mark. Yeah. Um, so the, this is the thing I discussed about Charles before the event. So they posted the terrain map, and I was like, I'm all for asymmetrical terrain, but the problem is you should do asymmetrical terrain where it's a nice advantage to deploy in first, but not dominating. So the problem it was domination, right? So the, they'd mirrored the game board. So the setup they were using was fine for escalating hostilities, but for my board because I was playing on his Octarius board, they had put the tower in the middle, so the watchtower, the oil pump, but slightly to one side. So effectively, it was quite deep into one person's territory, but effectively on the objective. Because another annoying thing that this tournament was doing was, in Warhammer World, they said if a terrain piece was on an objective, you move the terrain piece so the objective marker is free of that. So the problem I had, um, I was like, whoever wins, the the roll off to be the like who decides who gets the attack a defender is probably going to win the game because it's like if the players are evenly matched, then you're going to have a free way to just sit on that point. And he was the defender because he picked, he got, he won the roll off. And then I was like, okay. Um, then he started deploying the barricades around it. So I actually couldn't move or dash onto the point turn one. So I was like, okay, he knows what he's doing. And then he deployed his drone on it. So I was like, okay, that's another problem for me. And then the, the minor thing I only picked up after this game, because uh, his board was using a weird fusion of mostly Octarius, but then some of the Vertigus pieces. So the weird thing is the two buildings in the middle of the board, for me, were just crates. <clears throat> they were Munitorium crates. So they were still heavy pieces, but because they were blocks, it, it does change thing a bit. But anyway, so my gamble was I went... Uh, Plant signal beacon overrun and then score patient hunter, so score more work concealed. And my plan was he wouldn't be able to get in one to the middle, but my gun drone was going to go first. So I activated first. I didn't pop, um, what do you call it? Activate someone first. No, I did pop someone, activate someone else. And I was like, okay, gun drone, you are my only hope because I deployed my gun drone red away from his gun drone while still within red of my drop zone. And I was like, from this point, I can clearly see his gun drone. I've got four shots re-rolling. If I get some good shots, I can kill that hit, kill him and dash into that point and block it off. Unfortunately, I rolled one hit, re-rolled, rolled into two. Only one went through. Then I charged and I was like, okay. But then I had a brain fart and I was like, ah, oh, I can use the analyze from the, the, the drone and then go on to there. Uh, sorry, I didn't do a worthy cause. And then I was like, so he let me take it, take back the charge. So I just moved next to it. And then I did all the, and then I read the analyze and I was like, ah, oh, crap. Because the analyze says it has to be a pathfinder, not a drone. So I messed that up. Uh, so I was already <laughs> making some mistakes. But then he, he also made the same mistakes Charlie said, where he, like, if you're playing TTS, that guy would have been concealed. But in real life, that, like, he placed a guy around the corner, but in such a way that, if I just moved to the left, it was completely open because like playing Charles and Nighton has shown me how exposed shooting can really be. So I effectively like just blew up a few pathfinders and I was actually killing a lot. And throughout the game, uh, we were both, both making like minor positioner errors. Like I accidentally lost my leader because I moved him too far away from my medic, which is my own fault. And he had good control of the middle. I was like throwing guys on the point to contest it. And then going into the final turn, we made a lot of trades. Like he was really good at shutting me down. I made, 
another minor mistake where I, I did the wrong, I markerlighted the wrong guy with two markerlights. So if I spread out, I would have been able to score one point for mark enemy movements. And then it came down to the end. So I fa- managed to finally clear the middle because effectively it was going, he was scoring two for primary, I was scoring one. He was scoring two, I was scoring one, but my tack ops were keeping me in the game. And I was kind of denying his. And then I managed to clear the middle, move the gun drone on with the drone controller to claim the point. And then because I mislighted someone, I, I it was minor mistakes. It was still super close, but uh, I just lost by one point. It might have been two because he used Vantage on his leader. Uh, and the thing was, he was saying, because this is the one thing I'm sure about. I know you're within range of your own abilities, but are you visible to yourself? Because we couldn't actually find it clearly in the rule book. And then the TL said no. Um, but that was the only weird thing. But I lost nine, eight. So it was super tight. And I like he played really well. Uh, it was like, even trades back and forth. I don't think anyone did. Like We, we both made mistakes we were aware of, but I, I think it heavily came down to whoever was the attack and defender in that board because it kind of... I think that board in itself was a good example of bad asymmetrical terrain, but that, that was just how my final game went. Still really fun, and you know it was interesting to play the mirror finally. But yeah, that, that, was, that was my game. Um, I played uh, Paolo in the last round uh, that you played in the first round with his novitiates. Ah, that's it. Um, so yeah, so it's the second time I was playing novitiates. Um, and again, he was when I when I saw what team he had, and he had um, the two uh, conf- conflagrators, no purifiers, or what, purgators, whichever purgators, ones they yeah, are. Yeah, flame ladies. Um, he had those, and then he had uh, the one with the mace as well. I was like, okay, well, I, I kind of need to kill them early because flamers can just be really bad. Um, he had one on one flank and one kind of in the middle. Again, with the way the board was le- was set up, where there was vantage points on vantage points diagonally opposed to each other, with the oil pump in the middle, and then light terrain essentially opposite the vantage point. He'd deployed several people behind. The light terrain on the vantage uh, of the light terrain, and I deployed my um, my my plasma and my arc rifle up there, and I won the I won the scouting, and my first shot was to kill his condemner who was standing behind the cover, but because I was on the vantage point, it didn't matter. Um, I had a good um, like first and second turn of shooting. I was doing a lot of damage. The sisters were moving up. They were getting some retaliatory firing because he was using the uh, stratagem where they can fire uh, with no range, with uh, unlimited range with their pistols. Ah, uh, yes. So he got a, um, his sister uh, superior got a good shot in with her plasma pistol uh, a couple of times and killed people because overcharging plasma really kills most things. Um. Uh, he's the he managed to because again the way the board was laid out and there was an objective behind each of the vantage point terrains. Um, he could just keep his uh, lady with the chalice behind there and just gain three faith points every turn. Um, which again is why you shouldn't have a solid terrain in front of an obst- in front of an objective because there's then no danger to you holding that objective. Um. But then it, it basically in the the middle to end of turn two, and then in turn three and four, just I couldn't get any damage through on his sisters. It's like I'd hit him three times, he'd make three saves, 
or he'd make two, or he'd make one, and then spend faith points to re-roll them, and then make the saves. We're both rolling fours, so I know it's 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 really easy to make four up saves. Um, but it was just like get two or three hits, save two or three. He'd shoot back, get two or three hits. I'd save one. Uh, just was slowly losing wounds and losing models, and I would get. I got a couple of assistants down to one wound. Spent two faith points, rolled double threes. Suddenly, all that damage you done's gone. Um, he'd taken the tack op to kill people with the flamers and kill my leader with the mace lady. Um, and I killed his. I killed his mace lady in the first turn when she was behind a barricade. So she was never going to be able to do that. Um, I think. I think it's just that tack op is just really bad because you got killed two people with the uh, inferno a weapon with the inferno trait and then the second one is to kill the leader with an inferno trait yeah and it's just it's just a i can see what they were trying to do it's a nice fluffy thing but it's just a actually quite difficult and bad um object uh, tactical objective yeah because um, I, I did the same thing when i played against i killed his mace lady so he could never max out yeah um, and like I say, it was a uh, it actually be a close game. It ended eight seven to Paolo um, because I managed to score the some primaries early on, and he I was getting I was getting two, he was getting one for the first two turns, and then when the sisters just stopped dying, uh, and my guys started dying, he he managed to push back into my side of the board. He he managed to deny uh, hold the line. Um, again, because I, I shot the one sister who was who was stopping hold the line, and I, I get like two crits and a hit, rolls two crits and a save to defend, and it's like okay, well, <laughs> how, this is how it's going to go. The dice are on his side, just never going to be able to hurt him. It's it was one of those ones of just when you when your dice go perfectly and your opponent's dice just go, I'm just going to match you. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a dice game. Um, but it was it, it was such a close game for as much damage as was going both ways. And like turn one was very heavily in my favor, turn two was still my favor, and then just turn three and turn four, not being able to get any damage through, his damage suddenly turned on coming back, and it just it just suddenly flipped from one player winning to the other player winning. Um, and like I say, though, it was only a seven and eight score game, so it was a very low score game, but. Um, that mission is also quite difficult to score many points on unless you have some kind of infiltrating units. Yeah. Um, or you've got some, you've got like fly, like your Harlequin, so you can ignore all the terrain to get across the board. Um, it's very difficult to get more than two points in the first and second turn. Um, it's a very difficult game to max out the points on. Uh, but it was good. Um, second time playing Novitiates, I kind of know what they do. Uh, and it was just like, right, I know I need to take out these key things. Again, if I'd maybe taken a double shooting team instead of uh, Vanguard and Sakarans, it may have done better. But against the sisters, the Sakaran shooting is pretty good because it's four dice with ceaseless, so you're re-rolling ones, and it's three slash four damage. So you get a crit and a hit through, or two crits, or three hits through, and you kill them. But when your opponent matches your hits for saves, like for like, doesn't matter what you're firing, you just you get no damage through. But I say it was a good game, good fun, um, and it just was a very very close game until the final turn when he managed to just pip an extra point on uh, 
the because he, he the tack up he took was the um you pick a you you pick one of the objectives that's outside of your red of your zone and if you hold it for a turn you get one point if you hold it at the end of the game you get a second point and he just had enough distance on the last turn to move and dash uh one of his sisters over to that point on my side of the board um so he managed to just pick up two points in the game for that which is why i actually swung it to um him winning but overall it was a good game um the noviates seem to do from all the the games i saw noviates noviates um they seem to do like it looked like they all did like about 50 50 they had some good games and they had some bad games so i feel they're pretty balanced from out from our first game me and john played uh John had a, a, a very strong complaint about faith points, um, but they they seemed to do well. But they also didn't; they weren't winning the event, such as uh, some other factions were. Um, so I feel Novitiates were good. I played the Pathfinders again. Change if I'd taken different fire teams, it would have been a different game. Um, but they've got really good shooting. But if you can if you can rush them down, you'll probably stand a chance. It's just you can't. You can't trade with them so much at range unless you know you can kind of kill them. Yeah, because I, I guess for the event summary, it's like because uh, Tao ended up taking uh, first, first and second. Second, so Mark came second. So it's it first, second, Ad-Mek. and fifth because I was fifth. Yeah. Admech and Hunter Clades came third, and then Commandos came fourth. Fourth. Because yeah. the weird thing was like. At the end of round three, I was ranked first because of strength of schedule. I think strength of schedule was carrying me far higher than I should have because I, I wasn't scoring much points at all. I was barely winning, but because of how strength of schedule worked, I was doing uh, overperforming in my opinion. Um, so I ended up finishing fifth overall, which was nice considering I basically only had one practice game. Um, and you finished fifteen. Uh, yeah, so not Still terrible. Good. Two, yeah. two and two. There, what I did notice from a lot of the games, um, there wasn't an, a huge number of very high-scoring games. Yeah, like that's most rounds due to the only missions. had. Yeah, most games only had two or three people who scored very highly in that round. Yeah. Um and even with Tacop scoring this time, there was no one. No one maxed out Tacops. Most people scored. No, like there was there was five? a couple of there was a couple of max out ones. Um, not in terms like, of uh, every game. No one was. Maxed oh, not, out yeah, not in not in every. Nobody maxed out tack ops in every game, but like yeah. certain rounds, people were maxing out their tack out tack ops. Um, but, but again, it was not the, consistent. Yeah, the, the, I say that the average scores were between eight and fifteen points around. Um, so we didn't we didn't see like the continuous. 18, 18, 18 that we have seen in some previous tournaments. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because people weren't concentrating on tax ops, tax ops, tax ops as much because they weren't the primary factor to winning. Um, and if you know that all you have to do is win the game, sometimes you might focus more on scoring the primaries and denying your opponent's secondaries because as long as you win, you've won the game. Yeah. Um, and then it's just total VPs at the end, which was after your strength of schedule. Yeah, so it just um, it kind of add more. As I was playing, I was just playing. If I win, I win. I was focusing just to have a good time. But the, I like the main gripe I had with the event. I would say is the timing because we didn't really cover it during the games. But 
outside of lunch, we only effectively had five minutes in between rounds. Uh, well, if if that, because they were they were hour and a half rounds, but they were pretty much almost starting back to back because there was people who were running over time, um, finishing a round out when time was called. Um, and then you had the pairings, and then they were modifying the pairings so people could be on the so the the pairing numbers you move to the right table number. So yeah. there were people who would get to a table, set up, or get their stuff out, and be like, "Oh, hang on, now I've got to move to another table." There was a few people mentioned they only got two to three rounds in a lot of their games. I managed, I, I I was playing a kill team I knew how to use, so I was generally quite quick in my games. I managed to get four rounds in all mine. I know you only got three rounds in two of your games, John. Yeah, I got three, three, then four, four. Because the weirdest thing, they had a guy calling out times like in Warhammer World. The only problem, the TO didn't want to do it. I think he said because his voice wasn't strong enough or loud enough. But the problem is the guy he got to do it was playing. So the like he said it for the first few bits and then completely forgot because he was obviously involved in his game, which you can't blame. But that was the weird thing because it wasn't, it happened on the day it caught everyone by surprise, like me, because it's like, okay, that's actually pretty useful. But then they kind of abandoned it during it because it just had like because obviously the guy calling out the round times was playing, so that was the weird thing. Uh, like, and on, on on reflection, and even Joe on the day, as we were saying, a lot of people have said they would have preferred an hour and forty five. But I think the problem is because it's on a Sunday and Bad Moons, the way Bad Moons hours work, they can't do an hour and forty five. Well, they you you could do an hour and forty five, but you could only realistically do three a three round event. Yeah, um, because you can't do four hour and forty five rounds. But if you took that, if you took that third or the sorry the fourth round that was an hour and a half, put those fifteen minutes on those games, that still gives you another forty five minutes, which then lets you have breaks between rounds. Yeah. Uh, and it's not such a rush that you've got to finish, move, get ready, move to your next table, and you can just kind of at least take take the in between games that a little bit slower, take a breath, take a breather. Um, and uh, most people in a tournament want to play more rounds, especially if you're playing, say, like thirty six players. You do really want a four round event, um, just for the way the numbering works out, but it's just not practical when you only have a very limited time period. Yeah, um, so I was hoping like next time it's either on a Saturday because Bad Moon are open longer so they can space out the rounds more or you just do three rounds because the problem I had with the event, because we only had 15-minute breaks between rounds and then I think it was effectively 45 minutes for lunch, it felt so tight and rushed you didn't have enough time to breathe. They had table service coming around, but because me and my opponents were so focused on our games, we were like, we can't. We don't have the time to order drinks. We have to get through the game or order food. Uh, and as you said, it's like, because I know Warhammer World were toying around with doing like uh, an extra round, but doing an hour and a half. But I, I'm so glad they didn't because after after doing it again at Bad Moon, I, I, I don't think I'd want to turn up to another Sunday tournament that's four rounds with an hour and a half. And even in general, I think uh, the I did some more research. So the, there was a big Spain tournament recently uh, they had like 53 players or something and they did an hour and 45 and they had no problems as well. They they said they found it's that extra 15 minutes helps a lot, especially yeah. as for every game board, it, it wasn't really like Warhammer World where they, because they were Warhammer World, they could set up objectives. We were setting up objectives as well. Um, 
So even even during my lunch game, my game post lunch, the TO had to come around and set up my table because it was a setup. So like it, it's that extra fifteen minutes would have helped everyone greatly. I know there were some people who only got to turn two, but that was because from what I heard from those games anyway, they were basically brand new to the game. So um but it was like, yeah, the timekeeping and then just it was just the odd miscommunicated things. Some things were better. It's just minor things. So, but the main problem I had was the time. Uh, as like it just too much. I don't, it was like intense in a weird yeah, I, I, way. I was feeling I was having to rush because you kind of need to get all the post. You need to get all the pre-battle stuff out of the way first. So, like, yes, make sure the objectives are in the right place. Doing your tac ops, doing your equipment, picking your kill team, doing your barricades, deploy it. One person deploying, then the other person deploying. And by the time you've done that, you you have used 10 to 15 minutes. And if you've only got an hour and a half, you've suddenly now got an hour and 15 minutes or less to get your four rounds in. Yeah, Um, and it was like I couldn't even do post-game chats with opponents unless it was like games two and four because we were so rushed for time. It's like we'd finished, we'd overrun by five minutes, and then we were like, or, or just finished, and then we're like, I'd like to chat, but we the pairings are up. We we have to go because there's only like we've got ten minutes and we have to sell up everything, so we want to get a full game. Uh, the terrain was a lot better, but that was because people brought their own Octarius terrains. The the only weird thing, as I'll say, um, the people who bought there was like weird situations that I didn't realize until after the tournament finished. But there were some Octarius boards that were semi Octarius and other homebrewed stuff, which was a bit. Odd because they'd put out terrain maps saying if you're playing on a terrain board, this is what I'll be doing. Just minor yeah. things. It was it's, better it's minor, than using it's, people terrain. Yeah, I was going to say it's better than having to rely on the more 40k terrain. Yeah, it's like that, that they had available. So yeah, if if it was the 40k terrain, I think it would have been you. You probably would have just had all the Tau players float to the top because oh my gosh, it, even just playing on it for one game, even though it was better than it was before. There were so many clear lanes I could pick from, even though there was like four. I could just shoot from on the flanks. I could shoot from one end to the other. And especially when you can mark light stuff, it kind of just goes, oh, I can just see you, mark light. Uh, the biggest thing I also would say is because we could pick tack ops. Now, I prefer going as whatever the rules say. And at the moment, you know, the rules say you pick randomly. And they were saying you pick. And as I covered earlier, I, I think the Tau would not have done as well if you had to randomly pick your tag ops as in the rule book. Um, I, I don't know. They they may still have done as well um, because I think most of the games that Tau players won, um, they they won with enough margin that uh, it wouldn't have mattered so much. Um, I don't know, it would have mattered for my games. Like if I had to randomly pick, I would have again, like, not you won. could have random you could have also randomly picked the exact same tack ops you you picked. Um unless, unless you literally had the exact same tournament with the exact same results with people doing it. Um you can't really compare it. Yeah. Um Oh, that I mean, reminds me, they made vantage unusable, isn't it? Because the first uh, when the first yeah, in the first Two games there was on some of the Octar on the Octarius board. Well, all the boards I think it was had two of the vantage points unusable, so they weren't yeah, actually the f- vantage points. And the problem is, if you were on the right hand side, uh, the third vantage point was the oil tower in your deployments in your drop zone. 
So if you're on the if you're on that side, you actually could not use Vantage. So obviously that's fine because you pick up attack ops after. But it's I don't like it when boards are kind of you've got a pre-designed layout, but you automatically deny certain tack ops. But that's just more of a minor thing because mm. picking tack ops. But I, overall, it, it was generally pretty good. I would recommend. I just hope next time because they've got thirty six players twice. That bad moon can do the next kill team tournament on a Saturday, please, instead of a Sunday. So Again, it depends what other events they're running. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a Saturday is much better just because even if the if the event finished at eight o'clock, we could have done four rounds. With, we could have done four hour and quarter rounds with breaks, and you wouldn't have had the rush. I mean, if they really wanted to try, they could have done five. One and a half hour rounds. No, Charles, don't you... say, don't say that, please. No, I mean please, it does. No. It does give you a much uh, like you would end up having just one overall winner at the end of it, um, rather than having with the uh, two two people undefeated as we had here. So it's one of those ones of you could. It would just be a very long day and a very kind of stressful day because you've got very short rounds and you're trying to play as much as you can. Um, but realistically, if you've lost two of your games or even three of your games by round four, you could kind of just drop out if you want. It's not really going to affect you. All it's going to do is uh, possibly start to skew strength of schedules for the last couple of rounds. Yeah. Um, which, again, is why you shouldn't use strength of schedule as like your first tiebreaker. Yeah, I agree um, on that as well. Like strength of schedule is the primary, as I've sort of, it, it placed me far higher than it should have, in my opinion. Yeah, um, you did end up with a good strength of schedule, though, at the end of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I almost had the best. I think if I had won that game, I probably would have had the best strength of schedule, weirdly. Uh, I know, I don't think you would have. Uh, it's because the way strength of schedule works, it's... Um, you had 8.25. Um, Highest was whereas, 8.5? Uh, I think it was an 8.5, yeah. Um yeah, there's an 8.5, I think, is the highest strength of schedule. Whereas uh, Mark, who did beat you in the last round, ended up on 5.25. Yeah, that was the confusing so, thing. I thought his strength of schedule would be higher than mine. Uh, well, he won all his games. Um, but the, again, it's because the way strength of schedule is worked out by how well your opponents do overall, and then it's divided by something. Um, it's, it's one of those ones where um, suddenly one of your opponents winning big in a round can actually skew your strength of schedule back down rather than taking it up. Oh, hold on. They've updated um, the scores again. I'm I'm fourth now. Uh, I was fifth. No. I'm now fourth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You are fourth. Yeah. It's a, okay. So I did finish fourth. Sorry, guys. Sorry, everybody. It's literally, yeah, updated. Okay. Uh, I'm fourth now, which is even better. Oh, let me screw that. I'm but that's still 15th. The conf- so. It's the confusing thing with strength of schedule. Uh, but yeah, I think it would have. I think it would have been more interesting because even if it was first tack ops then strength of schedule, I, I wouldn't have placed fourth. I think I would have been lower because I didn't score many tack ops. So uh, even interestingly, just looking at the tournament, but you could argue because people had the pressure of not having to score all their tack ops, they didn't focus on them. But the the weird thing about that is because the mission selected, which is why I thought J- Games Workshop selected them is they are very hard to max out the primaries, so they force your attack ops to be more important. Yeah, they are, they're difficult scoring missions just because of the layouts, the objectives, and the actual way the missions work and the scoring on the missions. Yeah. 
So they actually they do rely on you really trying to earn your tack up points to bring your score up. Um, especially the the last mission, Dom, uh, Dominations. Last one was it? Yes, um, Domination. Yes. Yeah, that one. You have only five objectives on the board. You have to hold at least two objectives to get one point, and then you have to hold more than your opponents. So you have to hold the center one to get an additional point. Yeah, and then after that, you have to hold the objectives that are on the complete opposite side of the board from you to then score any more points. And um, if you don't have any extra mobility, it's like a real yeah, slog. It's you're only maybe going to be able to do that in the last last round of the game if you've been able to cross the board without dying. Um, so that one is a very difficult to to even score half the points. Um, across a game because you you'll score if you hold three of them for the entire game you'll only score eight points out of 12 so you'll score two thirds um, um for mvps so i i think for this time we should say our mvp tag op and our mvp operative so for me my mvp operative was the uh interference guy because i was abusing the obscuring rule but more importantly him just dunking minus one apl onto enemy operatives completely shut shut stuff down and it allowed me to make stuff that was normally uh my oh, my opponent's going to get that i would just go yeah you can't you you can't charge me uh you're next to my operative now going into the next turning point you can either charge into me or move away you cannot charge and attack me like the flexibility of just doing it from a position where you can't be shot at and just shutting stuff down was so strong like even the biggest use of it was in game three where I just completely shut down the gunner because it was like, yeah, you've moved yourself into a position where you're not on the objective, so now you can either shoot me and stay there or move on to the objective. Uh, and even turning, even games one and two, I was shutting down melee specialists and people getting to like objectives. And then for tac ops, it has to be plant signal beacon. It's so good. You just have to be within red of your opponent's drop zone, and then it's two AP to dunk. So I used my comms guy or used my free dash to set it up via recon sweep or uh, Montcar, and then dropped it down. And because I would drop it down basically at the end of the game and I would sit my operative on it, my opponent had to charge me and, or kill me, then move on to it so they could never stop it. And it was a guaranteed 2VP. So, oh my gosh, plant signal beacon. So good. Like I love it so much. Uh, what about you, Charles? Um, really, because I'm because I'm playing a compendium team, and I don't really have individual operatives that I can call an MVP. It's mostly it's the the gunners, uh, so the plasma and the arc rifle, because um, they they really do the heavy lifting in the Forge World team, um, especially combined with uh, the one turn where you have your reroll a dice on everybody. Yeah. Um, they they they're the guys who generally did most of the work in the game. Though the Sakarans, the Sakarans can do their fair bit, um, but really as a, as a as a whole, it's just the resilience of the Forge World team is the MVP. Um, for the Tac Ops, again, it's I had no real standout good Tac Op that I chose um, because I again scoring ended up being a bit weird for the missions, um, but just generally security as an archetype, um, I'd say. Combo, combo, especially the way the boards were laid out, comboing uh, central control with seize ground because most of the boards had a heavy piece in the middle for at least two of the missions or three of them. Yeah. So I could just go, well, I'll pick the piece of heavy train in the middle of the board and I've got central control. So <laughs> I'm going for the middle of the board anyway. 
Um, and just comboing those two together on, especially the board layout they designed, was a very much no-brainer there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I think, yeah, once again, really good tournament, great opponents. Just generally, it was a much better run tournament. Hopefully, they just implement those minor tweaks. And like, if you're free, you should definitely check out Bad Moon because, um, yeah, the, I forgot to mention, the tournament, even though it was hosted at Bad Moon Cafe, it wasn't run by Bad Moon. It was run by the London Wargaming Guild. So uh, it's because like a lot of stores don't actually run their own tournaments because I've done the what I've experienced and done myself. It's the they let people who are volunteering to tournament organize do that. But overall there was a lot of improvements and it just needs some minor refinements. But generally it was still a really good event. And hmm. yeah, it was just fun playing with more Londoners, seeing like our scenes quite active. Yeah. And hopefully and, wherever you're in the world, there's going to be more tournaments for you, especially yeah coming yeah, forward. Going forwards, yeah. Uh was there anything you'd like to add, Charles? Um, well, just again for just for running an event, you kind of you do need to. If it's going to be something like a Sunday where you have short hours, three rounds is probably all you're going to be able to get out with decent timings. If you can do it on a Saturday and, and your vet or your venue has a longer opening time, then you can look at a four round or a five round event. But for Kill Team, I think it does work best in a three or four round format. With four, but, an hour yeah. four five. Yeah, but again, Bad Moon's a nice gaming space. It's it, it, The problem I did have, again, was it, it was getting, towards the end of the day, it does get quite loud as well. Everyone's talking, everyone's in a confined area. And again, even though it's coming into winter now, that many people in one small space does still get very hot. Um, yeah. So. Uh, other, so, than, other than that, good event. Yeah, because the, the other thing I forgot to add, even though it was 36 players, it wasn't just all hyper-competitive players. I'd say it's like you had some hyper-competitive players, and you had competitive players, but you had a good mix of just people looking to play and get more experience. So I, I that's why it's like, you know, you want to fit more games in, but I think you would have a better feel overall if you don't feel rushed as a player, and it helps with player retention. Because the, there's always that max. You, you want to appeal to the competitive players, but you also want to make sure your game grows. So I think it's really important to consider the players who just want, who are just there for, for getting some games. Cause part of the main reason we go to tournaments is just to play against different people and play, play more games in a day or a weekend. Yeah. Cause uh, there was a lot of time where we would only play maybe uh, when we were playing 40 K a lot, we'd maybe play a game of 40 K a week or every other week. But then we would um, go to a Warhammer World event and we'd be like, okay, right, well, we're, we'll practice once a week grilling up to the event. And then you go to the event and you play like five games in two days and you just have against different opponents. And it's, that's the main thing is you're not paying the same people over and over again. And that's what can kind of kill a lot of people's play groups if they're too small. You can end up going, well, it's, there's four of us. We're just playing round robin and we all know what we're doing. And it just kind of gets a bit boring. And then you go to a tournament and you're like, you play four people you've either never met before or you've met in a wider social group but you maybe only play them once a month once every other month and you kind of oh cool how you being up you can catch up you can play a game and just playing different people is just always good for a game yeah. um but yeah that's pretty much our thoughts we kind of rambled off a bit at the end but hopefully you enjoyed it we will be back with more i i'm hoping to do more regular episodes hopefully every two weeks this time um 
we might be going to another tournament soon because they surprisingly announced last minute there's another Kill Team tournament in London in two weeks. So that will be, if it were, might be about that, but we'll be back soon. Uh, as I said, I'm happy with how I did with the Pathfinders, especially I was just kind of going, see how they did. But yeah, it was a really fun event and I'd always recommend Bad Moon as well as what, any local tournament you got, even if it's just a random gaming day. But from but that's pretty much it for me. And yeah, thank you, Charles, for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. No worries. And yeah, we'll be back soon. And just remember, always keep rolling crits, even up until the time ends.